0: Game that has just finished, as we record this, a genuinely, truly, totally and utterly woeful performance from United. But, before all that, there was joy, there was fun, there was Berbatov not really being bothered to run.
1: Much like all of his teammates, uh, such contrasting games this week, Fulham... I can barely remember a side coming to Old Trafford this season and trying less. It almost seemed like they just didn't care much. They were beaten before they turned up, right? It was, it was so unbelievably easy. I mean, of course, there were some nice performances all around through the team. I thought Anderson had a, a really good game in central midfield. You know, I, I can praise Anderson. I bet you're going to bury him. I will get on to criticising him shortly. But it was just so easy for United. You, you talked about them being terrible on the road. I said, ah, oh, but they just went to West Brom and won. But uh, you called that one, right? They were, they were
0: terrible. As joyous as it was to see the two glorious moments of Berbatov control that happened in that game, which have been commemorated in gift form due to public peer pressure on uh, Sean from Beautifully Red to reverse his Manchester United players-only uh, approach to Beautifully Red. Fulham were as bad a team as I've seen at Old Trafford. As you say, they just did not look like they cared one iota. I don't really know what benefit there is in analysing that game. One team wanted to progress and the other team really wasn't fussed either way. Yeah,
1: it really felt like it, didn't it? I mean, they got the late consolation, I suppose. United could have scored seven, eight, nine. Cricket score levels, it was that easy and, and quite wasteful from United. And and the game was won after three minutes, for sure. And Giggs stroked down the penalty. Yeah, glad he, he took it, rather than Wayne Rooney. He would have missed it again, obviously.
0: Yeah, we like to see that. That was It was interesting and, and a fine, decent pen from from Giggs. Yeah, he didn't hit it very hard. Hard enough to go in. No pun intended, but Giggsy. So sad. It's so sad that Ryan Giggs is associated with anything other than being a wonderful footballer and his legacy forever tarnished.
1: Of course, there was that great story that Wilfred Zahar turned up for his medical in an Imogen Thomas t-shirt. It turned out it wasn't. It was just a one from uh, River Island, but uh, lots of people thought it was. And uh, what a great story that would have been if it was the case. But I, I thought Giggsie did it all right against Fulham. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard to call anyone out for not having a good game against Fulham. It was almost impossible not to have a good game. There was that uh, lack of effort from from Fulham Moran. Berbatov, I I mean, he did all right. Yeah, a few nice touches. A few times he got the ball. Fulham were in a great attacking position You know, on the break. Very few occasions this happened in the game. And uh, he kind of held it up until United filtered back. And I thought, ah, agent Berbatov working his charm there. Nope, he just did that for four years at United as well. (laughs)
0: Yeah Okay A couple of things I think I want to talk about From that game One Lovely to see Hernandez Getting a couple And It's interesting Because The poacher's instinct Is such a Profound thing Like You know You can't say Hernandez Is having the best season Of his life Even though he's had Some very good games But just You play him And he scores You know He's just He loves to Against Especially against A team that's not Really motivated Because he's so difficult To defend against Because of his Always running Always moving Always getting away from the defender if the defender's not really on their game they're going to struggle right right he loves to score but enough about Giggsy. Uh, Hernandez did really well, yeah.
1: <laughs> What's that, 14 he's got this season now, Hernandez? And and you're right, not not a brilliant season. I mean, he's in and out of the side, of course, but he's going to end up with a, over 20, and that will, will have been a great season for him. I think Fergie's right. I think Rooney and Hernandez will both score over 20, and, and Van Persie will probably get over 30, and, and uh, that's going to take United a very long way in all competitions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, It's interesting that talking of motivation, uh, you know, that... A lot's been talked about the FA Cup and there is a groundswell amongst United fans of wanting to win the FA Cup. And it has been sort of bubbling under for a couple of seasons, but it really feels like this season it's come to a sort of peak. And it was, you know, it was a very good side that he put out. Uh, He gave Nani a game... And it's fair to say he had a very mixed game, a, a truly magical assist, and uh, uh, for the for Cheech's, I think Cheech's first goal. And I, I'm I'm giving Nanny credit that he meant that sort of on the ground back back heel flick. I think that's exactly what he was trying to do was was nudge it back into Chichi's path. And and he does have those kind of genius moments. But I was just watching that game, thinking you know if and when he does go, I know he's a, a, a fab- fabulous player on his day and and has been very effective for United. at at times but i genuinely won't miss him and i don't quite know what that is because he's he's the sort of player that i should like really because he's all flicks and tricks and rock and roll but there's just something about his decision making that for all the stats, for all the fantastic assists and goals and the incredible productivity of his output, really, when you measure it numerically, there's something about the fact that when the chips are down, he's just not the player I want on the
1: ball. It's a fair assessment, isn't it? It really is. And that's why he's heading out of United. And Zahar, who is a very honest player, you know. That kind of old prose terminology does track back. Interesting. I, I try to watch a bit more now he's joined and and do some proper research and all that. You know, the the kind of analysis that this kind of show's famed for. So he's he's actually very good at that. Zahar. He does track back. He covers his back, He's he, he's got lovely feet. Uh, he's got that. Burst of pace to get away from players and uh, and I think his output will be better than it's been at Crystal Palace. I know that's odd because he's moving up a level, but I actually think working with better players and understanding space and movement, he'll score more goals than he does because it's not a lot. But he'll be a good replacement. He's not like for like. He isn't gonna get the number of assists and goals that Nanny does, but but frankly, Nanny's just he's tested Ferguson's patience too often now and the contractual situation has kind of forced United's hand. Nanny wants more than United are prepared to give him and, and looks actually if you read between the lines of some of the the decent gossip it seems like he's ready to back down on the club now aren't that's a bit of a change of tune so anyway he'll be gone we'll get whatever we can out of him until the end of the season and then it will be uh zahar's turn to try and try and become a united legend
0: Obviously, that's happened since we last spoke. But I think we basically said it was it was going to happen, and in out, as everyone thought, it's going to stay at Crystal Palace for the rest of the season. And some some United fans took quite a lot of umbrage to that. Um, what did you make of the way the Zaha deal was done, and and the the fact that he's at Crystal Palace till the till the end of the season? Well, look, Palace have made the demand
1: because they're on for getting promotion, you know. And uh, I don't suppose it's cost them anything financially. I don't, I don't think they'd have accepted a lower bid because of that. It was just part of their demands that uh, they weren't going to let him go this winter uh, unless they get got to keep him United have, have made the move now to cut off any other people much like Chris Smalling uh, I suppose and uh, so I haven't got a problem with that of course it's a problem if he gets injured
0: yeah yeah
1: because the contract has been signed and it's a loan back so that's an issue I don't think he'd have played off an awful lot of United so it's not like we desperately needed him I suppose he'd have been an, another tool but it wouldn't have been much good for him you know he, he'll come to United get a full pre-season with the the club and have a season of settling in and and then he'll be like 21 because you know he's not a kid anymore really he's uh, he's maturing a bit for a player who's only just coming into the Premier League and and I think that's the best thing all round
0: Uh, yeah I I, I mean that was kind of how I felt about it really it it makes sense to It makes sense for him, it makes sense for him, especially if Palace do get promoted and he's a central part of that, that'd be great for his confidence. Obviously, in a way, like, obviously it's a shame for Palace that they're going to lose the player in the summer, but it's kind of inevitable for a club of their current stature. So, in a way, it's great for them to get the confidence boost for him of signing for Man United, of knowing what's at stake, and you'd expect that's going to make him try even harder rather than less hard sort of thing.
1: Most observers have said that Zaha's form has really tailed off since the speculation about, as he put it on Twitter, speculation about his transfer, and maybe that will mean he can settle down now and have a good second half of the season. One thing that went did the rounds, of course, his picture from Old Trafford, very iconic picture, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, it was good. Nice touch. Nice, good, good choice of Instagram filter there. Touch of silhouette against the uh, Old Trafford lights. Yeah, very nice. Good. Definitely, definitely worked, and definitely a a better artistic statement than that T-shirt, although given that he may be Giggs' long-term replacement at Old Trafford sort of made sense, that T-shirt one, we thought. Anyway, no, let's move on from that uh, subject, and we'll move on from the Fulham game as well, and, and, you know, a very effective, functional Manchester United performance, scored a lot of goals, and we don't always, you know, we really put Fulham to the sword, even though, as you say, it could have been a cricket score, it was still 4 ones a pretty big score, isn't it? Can't even do the link, I'm so depressed about the Southampton game. I mean, you know, we finished seven points clear and that's wonderful and it's so vital that we held on for the win after City only scraped a nil-nil draw against Aries' hooped army. But that was pretty, pretty bad. The
1: good stuff. United played some nice attacking football in the first half, I thought. Yeah, uh, Some of the interplay between Kagawa and Rooney and, and Welbeck at times and Van Persie was excellent. And, and some real rotation in those front four players. That, uh, I mean, it was quite noticeable that uh, Kagawa tucked in Van Persie, tried to give some width by dropping out to the right-hand side a lot of the time and Welbert came central and, and actually a lot of the play went right as a result I suppose uh, but it flowed it was nice there was some good attacking movement all completely fell apart in the second half and Southampton just completely bossed the game I mean you said before we started recording that uh, if an alien had come down from space they wouldn't have known who was the championship leader and, and who was the, the relegation fodder you know really really true and that's how bad it was and Ferguson was clearly irate and made quite a lot of changes you know to try and shake things up and it, none of it really worked but United held on just about.
0: Yeah I mean classic good enough stuff from Fergie but equally classic to hooks will this gamble pay off stuff as well you know I mean you'd imagine that right now as we record this Sir Alex is either currently tearing into the playing staff of Manchester United or just having finished yeah,
1: and we're recording this at midnight on Saturday. He, he's going for <laughs> 18 hours of pure rant. I mean, it, it would be deserved, wouldn't it?
0: I mean, you know, we, we rightly pointing out how dreadful United were in the second half, but I think it's fair to say that it didn't exactly start well. And at Liz Worsley asks, who was more to blame for the first goal by Southampton? Well, the only goal by Southampton, of course, in the end, fortunately. And that was Carrick or De Gea? Anderson. there are three mistakes in that Anderson gave the ball
1: away Carrick didn't do a very good back pass at all and De Gea uh, was very tentative coming off his line I mean to be honest if I was adding them up I think De Gea is probably the least of the errors really because he couldn't have expected Carrick someone who passes the ball as well as Carrick to make such an awful hash of the back pass but he was very tentative of course if it was Peter Schmeichel who just cleared it and the man and and killed someone in order to get rid of the ball the risk, of course, would have been give away a penalty and De and Gea's erred on the side of caution and he's been made to look very, very silly as
0: a result. I think more to blame, maybe Carrick. I think the United fan, huge defensive response of like, oh, okay, he's going to get the blame for this, but what could he have been expected to do? I think that probably veers a bit too far in the defending De hair at all costs direction, because I think you could expect him to do better under those circumstances. No, no goalkeeper should ever be put in to those circumstances by his senior midfielder. You know, the kind of the calm, metronomic beating heart of the side should not be putting the keeper who's had a week of endless speculation and slagging off in the press a week and a half now he really shouldn't put him under that, that position so I think in that sense it's way more Carrick's fault but De Gea should have done better with that surely
1: I mean, I agree. Should, should have done better. I guess the argument is, if he'd been more aggressive, he'd have probably given away a penalty. Yeah. You know, so he, had to, he had to find the balance, he didn't, and United conceded, but there lots of errors in that one, so if anyone's going to get criticised, he's got to get it as equally as, as Carrick and Anderson, who both made some mistakes, you know. At least after that, the Hare made a couple of decent saves, one from a free kick. Not there, there were really too many chances on target from Southampton, although they did have more shots than United in the game overall.
0: Yeah, if Southampton were good. We'd have been absolutely hammered in that game because they're not that great. They're, they're playing very functional football and they, they put a, as good a half of football together at Old Trafford as any team has. But, you know, it's not because they are world beaters. We just kept giving the ball away time after time after time. One of the most sloppy performances in terms of United's ball retention this season. I mean, last season we talked about it constantly, right? But this season it's not been a thing.
1: Yeah, it was it was really, really poor. Very, very lax, very sloppy. Didn't make any difference when Ferguson changed it around. I mean, Kagawa came off, Anderson came off. Both of them had very poor second halves, indeed. I thought Jones went into midfield. I'm, I was surprised that Welbeck stayed on. I suppose. I mean, if, if Ferguson could have made five substitutions, he surely would have. Uh, Welbeck had a stinker too. I guess it's just one of those things you'd say, but it is worrying that there, there are quite a lot of recent games that not really have gone off the ball in the second half. You know, I hope. I hope it's just a just a thing that happened and it's coincidence and. It's a few in a row, but there's no real pattern to it. I mean, there shouldn't be, right? It's not like United not fit or well, haven't got a big enough squad where they're not all pretty fresh. So, you know, it's, it's hard to pinpoint any particular reason why it seems that second half performances have been markedly poorer recently.
0: Yeah, although, again, the Fulham game, something of an exception to that rule. And I think you can make a kind of specific case for the Spurs game, given that, Spurs are a really good side, they were at home, they were behind, they were coming back into it, it was pouring the snow. There's a snow, there's a whole bunch of mitigating factors but you pointed out before that that it was starting to be a problem and, and it, it's definitely a pattern which is continuing and I wonder if it's partly something to do with pressure but it it was interesting to me how poor we were in that second half and I, I, I don't think I, I'm particularly worried about where United are at at the moment even though we've just seen them be pretty dreadful. Because, you know, if and Percy had a quiet game, we could have... Also, he had a goal disallowed, which, by the way, I'm pretty sure was a goal, right? It didn't look offside to me. I have to say I thought it was
1: offside, but again, I, I don't think I saw a replay where it's dead in line but he looked offside with the camera angle that was a bit, bit deeper. But, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, who knows? I mean, uh, moments before that, Boric, Arta Boric, the former Celtic keeper, pulled off an absolutely fantastic one-handed save. Point-blank range from Van Persie.
0: Absolutely. Um, so, you know, it's not like we didn't we didn't have some chances. And, and, you know, I think I think you chalk that one up to a bad day at the office, right? Because I don't, I don't think it's the pattern of, even though we've not been brilliant in second halves, I don't think it's the pattern of play that we've been absolutely overrun and destroyed. And I think, you know, uh, Carrick Anderson central midfield Is not the one that anyone's really crying out for Is it? No though Anderson's had
1: Some decent games for his, I mean, he was, you know, he He's good at, against Fulham uh, He had a couple of good games in December Before he got injured again uh, I thought he was alright in the first half Really went off the ball in the second You know, It's, it's mix and match from Anderson isn't it It, was,
0: it always is I don't think I can give you alright in the first half, really, um, for Anderson in that game. A truly, truly, truly woeful pass completion percentage for both halves. And marginally better in the first half than it was in the second half, it has to be said. But it still gave the ball away a lot. But then in the second half, he just completely gave up on giving the ball to a player in a red shirt altogether, didn't He, he seem to find it somehow passe and old-fashioned. I think Ferguson's just playing games, isn't he? he he's done the Tombola tactics. He's done
1: the donut formation. Now he's doing the, we'll only play good for one half and we're still going to win the league. <laughs>
0: absolutely and you know the, the fact that City drew um, and, and United had the opportunity to go seven points clear again and you know City drew away to QPR they didn't draw to a good side they drew to the worst side in, in the league apart from technically speaking even though they're not bottom of the league Aston Villa are clearly the worst side in the football league at the moment
1: I was I was going to say yeah you got to qualify that QPR have actually beaten Chelsea got to draw with Spurs and, and, and now got to draw with City as well so yeah Villa, you wouldn't fancy them against the blue square bet side right now, would
0: you? And and that's the blue square bet staff side. <laughs> Interesting to note that Aston Villa were legitimately second favourites for their game against Millwall. They were they were actually officially second favourites so that's uh, not too impressive. They're, they're in a terrible state and, and I don't think we are in a terrible state by any stretch of the imagination. And seven points clear, we've got players a, a, a squad full of players who are kind of fit and to one extent or another raring to go and apart from Anderson having a pretty subpar game I don't think it was down to really individual terrible performances it was just a, a lack I mean Rooney gave the ball away a lot Carrick gave the ball away a lot that's not going to happen every week is it? No it's not uh, coming back to Villa just
1: for a second sorry to digress no, no. but wonderful piece on the score Lambert said this week he, he'll never give up and uh, there's no way he's quitting and a great piece on the score is basically a treatise on why it's good to quit and give up sometimes in fact sometimes it's best just not to make an effort at all <laughs>
0: Yeah, I did not like that piece. <laughs> that piece, I found that piece to be antithetical. Mm, quite. <laughs> yeah, talking of antithetical, how about a few questions from Rankcast Cast listeners? What do you say, Ed? Let's go for it. Do you think we signed Zahar just so he can appear in adverts for Wahaha? Unlikely. But, you know, it's a side bonus, isn't it? It is. That question comes in from jh1993 underscore mufc. At The Sentinel asks, what is Phil Jones' best position? Very funny, very funny indeed, sir. Missionary. Um, <laughs> outrageous. Okay, at Joe Taylor 84 asks, as last week's show was finished off with R. Kelly's classic hit song, which of the Looney Tunes was your favourite? Uh, I mean, my favourite Looney Tune is Bugs Bunny, if I have to pick a character, and not just because of the pyjama incident. Oh, I can't believe we talked about the Fulham game, and we didn't talk about bunny ears. Bunny ears. Bunnygate, God, he got the scouts angry, didn't it? Bunnygate, unbelievable. There is one picture, it, uh, that one freeze frame, which makes Patrice Evra look like a gloating, evil weirdo when he's doing that bunny ears. And th- that's really what the scouts—they took, they took that and run, ran with it, didn't they? If you look at it in motion, he looks like a, a jovial old friend making fun of his slightly odd, languid ex-teammate. For those of you who are not aware of what happened with Bunny ears, la 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 la, bunny ears, la 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 la. It was as the players were going off the pitch. Patrice Evra did the old classic bunny ears behind the head to Dimitar Berbatov. And for some reason, Liverpool fans appeared to believe that this was genuinely unacceptable. People were calling for him to be banned. Yeah, I mean, they
1: were holding minutes silence on, on Merseyside and, and the whole lot. It was uh, quite incredible. Yeah, great
0: stuff. You know, two weeks in a row with Bugs Bunny stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Related-ish. And talking of that, Ed, who's your favourite of the Looney Tunes gang? Roadrunner or Looney Tune? Absolutely, and... <laughs> he did well down the wing, wouldn't he? Fergie likes a speedy winger. He does, and could uh, evade the challenges of Wily e. Coyote. Brendan Rodgers, in this case. Sort of incompetent, evil mastermind. The Roadrunner cartoons, the Bugs Bunny's my favourite of the characters, but the Roadrunner cartoons are the funniest. They are the funniest of the Looney Tunes cartoons. It's a fact! And big fan of the rank cast at Khalid MUFC asks with all the talk that Carrick and the TC 23 duo are very good this season. Do we really need a new central midfielder or should we focus more on our wingers? And they're saying they're they're all out of form and actually we've got lots of substitute central midfielders available. And at Red Zeppelin says my usual question, forget central midfield, sell Nani and Valencia buy Gareth Bale and play a three, five, two with Bale and Rafa on either flank. Mm, Yeah, I can't see that one
1: coming up. Uh, I mean, back to the question, but is there really any strength in depth there? Because do we trust any of the players? I mean, Fletcher's off permanently, it seems. I mean, I think he'll come back as a coach, or, or Ferguson says he'll come back and just sit in front of the back four, so, you know, you wonder what kind of additional value he'll add there. I mean, Carrick, great. Cleverly's having an increasingly good season when he plays, of course. Skull's looking extremely dubious, and, and uh, Anderson is about 40% okay, 5% brilliant, and 55% pretty awful. So, I think we do need another one, just just for the balance of the squad. Winger situation is interesting because, I think I said a couple of weeks ago, I think they'll bring in another one if if Nani goes. I don't think that Zaha is the replacement, I think. It's looked like we're a bit short at times. I mean, Welbeck's played out there, but he just doesn't play like a winger. It's not doing him any good, so it wouldn't be a uh, surprise to me at all if United brought in another wide player this summer.
0: Relentless Media linkage with Victor Wanyama and at dribzy23 asks what our, our thoughts of, on Wanyama are, is and whether we rate him or not. And I have to say, and my answer when we were asked the question about Zahar if I don't watch much championship football, Scottish football, I'm afraid you've got a times that a million times a million. I can't remember the last time I watched a Scottish football match. I don't watch Fitba. <laughs> so have you seen much of Bueniamo at all?
1: No. So, yeah, sorry. D- don't want to get all Alan Shearer on you, but don't watch a lot of Scottish football unless there's absolutely nothing else on and I'm flicking around and there happens to be some on. And, of course, they only ever show two clubs, Rangers and Celtic, and Rangers are playing Scottish third division. They still show them on the TV a lot.
0: Yeah, so I'm afraid I don't know about Yama but if we sign a, a highly rated central midfielder, I'm going to get pretty excited, uh, regardless of how much I know about him, I'm afraid. I'm I'm that sort of person. Talking
1: of midfielders, Paul Scholes this week uh, defrosting his 4x4 freebie from Chevrolet and some japester ran off with it.
0: Yeah, the jokes flew around, of course, in the aftermath, and I'm really sorry, but I can't find out who it was that said this, but my favourite joke on the subject was, yes, it's really important to point out that Skulls has left his Chevrolet defrosting with the keys in it at the bottom of the drive all all throughout this cold snap, just waiting for somebody to come and take it away so it didn't have to offend the sponsors.
1: I'm sure some Scali has got it. Good on them, good on them, yeah, pretty ugly car. Wouldn't say that if Chevrolet sponsored us, of course,
0: you know. <laughs> of course not Plenty of jokes One one being uh, He tried to tackle The car thieves But was unfortunately Late <laughs>
1: um, <laughs> Yeah That'd be about right
0: Yeah And a brilliant cartoon From Atleys Worsley Totally standard of course When any Manchester United Related thing happens
1: So talking to sponsors United re-signed Singer this week uh, On an extended Official beer Of Manchester United Contract Woohoo A signing in the window Yes it's the fifth sponsor signing or re-signing this, uh, this month, you know, so Glazer's going crazy on the sponsorship front, all of which seems to have boosted the share price, gone beyond $17 this week. That magic, emotional $3 billion total value has been breached, Paul. How do you feel about it?
0: All right, so I'm just going to do something now. I'm just going to slide the chair back away from the microphone and say, go! <laughs> well... I don't even feel like having a rant about
1: this, you know. Yeah, the share price has risen uh, partly on the back of quite a lot of sponsorship. I suspect also that uh, United's underwriters are talking up the share price in the parlance uh, ahead of a, a possible another mini partial sale of some shares. They denied it very strongly. Edward Woodward, who used to be the COO, I think he's uh, he's got some kind of commercial role. but He's head of commercial for United. Uh, uh, said that Glaze would be around for many, many years, and they're not looking to sell. That's not a complete denial, of course. So it wouldn't surprise me if there isn't, uh, if they feel this period of share price inflation is going to continue. There isn't um, another mini sale to r- realise some equity from the club as a result. And of course, the same week that the Deloitte Football Money League comes out, I mean, it's basically just a ranking of revenue. There's there's no real. Inter- intelligence in it apart from that. Real Madrid number one, 512 million euros revenue per year. Barcelona number two, 483 million euros revenue per year. United, number three, 395, 0.9 million euros revenue per year. That's actually slightly down on last year and uh, all of which means United are some hundred and a bit million euros behind Real Madrid. And the vast majority of that is made up with the different structuring of the TV deals. So Real Madrid uh, sell their rights uh, on their own with Barcelona. Barcelona and Real Madrid make about 150 million euros each a year from La Liga TV rights. United made something like 60 and a bit. 1000000 they'll make quite a lot more than that next season when the new deal kicks in, but it won't close the gap. So that's that's most of it. And and actually, Real Madrid do better in uh, commercial income to other sponsorship deals. So, you know, it's interesting. We talked about uh, all these deals that United have created recently, but uh, still some way behind Real Madrid financially all sound I suppose if you're in the, the Glazers commercial department and, and that's the money piece for this week.
0: I wanted to ask a couple of questions when the when the share offering went live there was all the kind of grown up analysis that I saw of it was that it was a terrible share offering and that the price would absolutely tank I think we that was your speculation and definitely Anders Red as well was, was mentioning that George Soros taking some share in United and you pointed out that yeah that's an absolutely tiny punt uh, from a hedge fund of that size and it wasn't him personally it was it was his head fund but actually the shares have been fairly successful and the price has risen and i don't think anybody that was paying attention at the time would have thought that it would be where it's at now and how much of that is to do with the increase in commercial revenue which i guess was somewhat predictable and how much of it is to do uh, excuse me for being ignorant but like how much of it is to do with the fact that we're top of the league so professional investors are none at all But although actually
1: the feeling was there weren't an awful lot of pros buying into this deal so you know it's a, it's a, it's a little bit of speculation at Soros and it's a little bit of sort of fan or you know semi-pro fans and that kind of thing so why has it gone up a little bit it's the commercials and uh, the good performance of course United have said they will not pay a dividend so there's only a limited amount that the good commercials will do you know it says this is a stable club and it, the, the financials are good and therefore well, there's growth in this club and therefore these are good shares to hold because the capital might uh, capital value might rise and it's self-fulfilling in in that sense but you know i not going to be paying dividends based on profits so people are not buying it in order to make a return an annual return in that sense so all the sensible much better analysts than me uh, were saying that the share price would fall significantly it did for a little while it touched uh, 11 and a bit for a little while but has risen very strongly in the last couple of weeks you know and that's kind of why i'm saying and i've heard that there's a little bit of talk going around wall street saying that there might be another uh, set of uh, shares released onto the market but we'll see you know and at the moment the united is performing strongly on the pitch performing strongly off the pitch and and that all makes for a stable base for for. A great growth for the club and that's what the markets seen.
0: It's so it's all kind of interesting stuff and and you know the thing that that i think it's sort of weirdly important not to lose sight of in all this is that the people running the club are running it for their own personal financial interests
1: this block of shares is released at some point in the near enough future you know maybe in the summer who knows then we'd expect the majority of that money to be trousered by the glazer family what they're in it for after all
0: yep absolutely So I think I suppose we should drag ourselves kicking and screaming back onto the field of play and have a quick look at the game that's coming up at the weekend against, uh, oh, who is it? Someone we haven't played for ages and ages and ages. Oh, yeah, Fulham. Dimitar Berbatov again. there'll be a tear in the
1: eye. (laughs) (laughs) Of course, completely different team, really, because they actually do play
0: quite well at home have to think that part of the reason that they were so absolutely abysmal was because the FA Cup is not really on their agenda because they they do have to consolidate their kind of slipping in the league and you know so they're obviously going to want to do something and we've had a few problems at Craven Cottage in recent years have we not?
1: Well right at at least Carrick and Fletcher won't be playing at the back with Richie DeLate remember that calamity from a few years ago talking of money Mohamed Al-Fayed Fulham's owner has written off all their debts and turned it into equity so uh, Fulham one of the few. New debt-free clubs in the Premier League not if they go down though that that would be very interesting I mean he's basically subsidized the club for many many years now yeah uh, absolutely and uh, are they in trouble financial fair play wise interesting yeah i, I don't know because i haven't looked at their accounts uh, in in that kind of detail and um, they will presumably have to have to rebalance the books i mean stoke are in a similar situation of course because they they've traditionally outspent and uh, been sort of semi-subsidized there so yeah i mean I, i'm sure they'll comply but it, it might be a little bit of tightening of the belts i mean they don't get a lot through the gates and and not a lot of sponsorship revenue there so um even if they do run the club in a more sustainable fashion it, it will put them in in, uh, under more pressure of course.
0: This is worth pointing out of course Platini's a very silky administrator and he's very determined and he always you know puts in a great administrative performance when he's administering FFP against City and Chelsea but can he do it on a wet Wednesday night at the Britannia? Uh, yeah well so um, interesting this one of course a uh, house of Commons
1: select committee report this week basically uh, recommended legislation if uh, the fa doesn't come round to reforming it itself so there's there's a, I mean very broad summarization they're bas- they're basically calling for the fa to be much more independent for changing the uh, the ways that the fa council that's the kind of supposed to be the parliament and other independent bodies is run and some of the com- key committees and the governance of the fa itself uh, so a lot of structural changes they're asking for plus also some kind of financial fair play regulation and united are pushing for this very very hard of course they're they're very interested in in having some kind of ffp in in the premier league because the principal competitors at the moment chelsea and and city don't comply as it stands Uh, very much in in united's interests and and the government are saying that this industry has to be has to be more sustainable Uh, robertson the sports minister said some time ago that football is the worst governed sport in country and and have to say it's uh, not common of me to agree with the tory but i had to say i really did agree with that one and and it would be good for the game overall although of course city fans will bleat on about it a lot i mean you rather suspect that city if they need to comply will just uh find another
0: qatari sponsor of some kind
1: yeah sponsor the toilets you know (laughs) 400 million pounds a year most expensive crap you'll ever have
0: Balotelli gone from City. He's, he's off back to his homeland, and I'm I'm pleased, and I I wish him all the best uh, for his journey. I think a lot of a lot of fun gets made of Balotelli, and a lot of not understanding what it's like to uh, have personality issues. Basically, I don't mean like that as a diss. I mean you know emotional well being issues. <laughs> Oh, oh, bless. Of course, some some interesting um, emotional behaviour, was it, by United
1: fans? uh, Urinated all over his uh, camouflage Bentley, and another guy pulled his trousers down and wiped his bum all over the car. Very classy stuff from United fans there.
0: Talking about rivals and patheticness, I feel like we would be going amiss if we didn't take at least a few seconds to say that whilst we are clearly against modern football, uh, we're not against the magic of the FA Cup, which is back with a vengeance. Super Sunday is Sky's preferred branding for their Premier League coverage. Wigan against Southampton followed by Bolton against Newcastle. I don't, Bolton obviously got a Premier League seed, but you get the gist. Um, but this really was a Super Sunday. Glorious, magical result after magical result. I mean we're never particularly pleased when Leeds win but still. No, no, some great cup football. I mean,
1: Oldham Liverpool, brilliant. Leeds Tottenham, brilliant. Yeah, really enjoyed the full weekend. The only thing I didn't enjoy was ITV's coverage, which was just absolutely abysmal, you know. Uh, Luton Town winning at Norwich. It was given about three and a half minutes. That led the highlights package. Just about three and a half minutes worth of action.
0: Yeah, I was fortunate enough, though, to catch the Oldham Liverpool game in all its glory for about half an hour to go in that game, and when when, when they went 3-1 up, I thought, yeah, I don't think I could live with myself if I missed this from here on out. And, a bit of schadenfreude it's not my favourite thing in the world but I really 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 not. I'm a, I'm not a fan of the way Liverpool Football Club have behaved over the last year and a half so it's uh, quite entertaining to see them get uh, demolished by what can only be described as the kind of prototypical old fashioned footballing outfit that was old and managed by Paul Dickhoff
1: right up and at him weren't they Yeah, you know, Johnny Foreigner doesn't like it
0: <laughs> um, talking of Johnny Foreigner not liking it do you think that we'll be up and at Fulham on Saturday, yeah, Saturday evening, yeah,
1: another uh, bit of classy TV coverage from ESPN coming up. Unfortunately, uh, yeah, it's really, really quite dreadful. Uh, it'd be interesting to see whether BT do a better job because they've won the rights from next season. You can't see United not doing well. Uh, I mean, they're so comfortable against Fulham in the Cup. So maybe, maybe that's an issue. Of course, the crowd will be with Fulham and uh, maybe the players were putting a bit more effort and you'd expect Fulham to be more in the game and maybe complacency comes into it for United because it was such an easy ride in the Cup so that's the danger still I I expect United to go out there and uh, perform really well because Ferguson will have been very angry about the Southampton performance I'm sure about that
0: yeah I was going to say like if you ever needed an antidote to complacency that second half performance against Southampton was surely it if they don't improve over that then they really will be in trouble but i i think they will improve i mean let's play the random tombola team speculation you always say the back five picks itself but what you mean is the fullbacks and the keeper pick themselves Who, who's going to play a center half smalling Vidic didn't he had to bring rio on and, and that actually proved to be a very crucial substitution in the southampton yeah. game because uh, whilst we didn't get any more control over the game uh, rio looked absolutely imperious and and definitely improved the defense as a unit didn't he well, no midweek games, so I'd
1: expect Rio to start alongside Ferdinand. I mean, it feels more solid. I, I have to say, I've professed my worry about uh, how United will deal with pace for those two, but Vidic is getting better by the game I think, and it doesn't seem like the knee injury has uh, seriously uh, affected his performances. I mean, he he definitely was starting from a deeper position before. He's becoming a bit more normal. I'm not saying he's back to his 100% best, because I don't think he is, but it's better. So, I mean, that feels like a, a more solid experience partnership for an away game, you know, so I'd, I'd expect that and I think De Gea will play, I know um, people will be critical of his weak attempt at kicking, Carrick's back pass away against Southampton but I, I don't think that's a droppable offence You know, it doesn't appear to be in, the, in Fergie's sort of mind at the moment, so uh, the rest of it, I don't know, I think Cleverley will come back into the side and, and Carrick picks himself and, and then and Rooney and Van Persie and it's just a couple of wide players You know, what kind, of, what kind of balance does he want there does he go a bit more central by playing Kagawa and go for more of a diamond or, or does he stick Valencia and
0: Nani into the side and and go at Fulham uh, with some width yeah and it's the same conversation we're having every week essentially isn't it that is it is it Kagawa or is it Nani and Valencia and and, you know Fergie mixes it up so he plays Kagawa instead of a wide player Uh, you know you know what I mean it doesn't change the formation necessarily but it obviously does change the way we play for some reason I feel like Nani and Kagawa which was the the, of course the the FA Cup combination wasn't it that seems fairly likely to happen again to me but it's not, not scientific and And as you say, Rooney Rooney and Van Persie looks logical.
1: One thing for sure, Fergie will be on the bench, uh, although he's been charged by the FA for his comments about uh, Simon Beck, the the assistant referee uh, who didn't give United a penalty against Spurs. It's a clear decision, said Fergie. He was 10, maybe 12 yards away from the incident. He doesn't give it, and yet he gave everything else. And he goes on to say, I'm disappointed with him. We've not had a good record with him it's it was on the border when he said it of almost suggested like he could be saying there was a bit of bias going on there or he could just be pointing to history and uh, of course Ferguson's come out and said that it's, the FA is responding to the media uh, but he'll he'll likely get a match uh, a couple of match ban uh, touchline ban for this one because of course he's sort of on probation for having a pretty poor record for these things and <laughs> he's gone until Friday to respond I'm sure he'll ask for a personal hearing so it won't be another 10 days or two weeks before this is cleared up and but he might miss a couple of Premier League games by
0: uh, sitting in the stands. As I said on Twitter, it's almost like there isn't a nationwide conspiracy designed to benefit Manchester United. It's, uh, It's outrageous. Yeah. I'm a bit worried about the Illuminati's performance recently. Yeah, I think if they're on performance-related pay and they're getting a kickback from the share price, it's uh, it's not as impressive. Although maybe that's it. Maybe it's just all their efforts are going into that. They're neglecting their on-field duties because they, like the rest of Manchester United, are just confident that Van Persie will score enough goals that the rest of it doesn't really matter. So they can focus their attention elsewhere.
1: It's good theory. It's good theory. You know, there there, there may be
0: others that that are better then may so i guess we should do some predictions man united three Fulham one yeah i think there'll be goals
1: i'm not predicting a united clean sheet although you know the temptation will be to lock it down a little bit so uh no i'm gonna go 2-1 to united uh, it's not gonna be as comfortable as the cup game but it should be comfortable enough and then we'll conspire to concede a goal in the second half and we'll have a
0: nervy last 30 minutes absolutely because it's what we do And uh, we had a a few criticisms and a few uh, shouts of absolute joy from our choice of music last week, proving that, if nothing else, R. Kelly is a truly divisive figure in the history of world music. And I think this week we should go for something a little bit more unifiedly approved of. What do you reckon, Ed? Yeah, so we go for a bit of wacko jacko, you know, pedo's answer to pop. That's outrageous. By the way, uh, a much more important musical subject. If you have not already checked out Austerity by Awate, and just search YouTube for Austerity and Awate. It's the, the latest fantastic piece of music by OG Rantcast supporter Awate. And yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge fan, as everyone knows, and, and it's well worth a few minutes of your time if you like that sort of thing.
1: Mm, at UTD Rantcast, music management speaks... You're in for a cut here, of the millions. <laughs> I, I've given my advice to Awate. I, I saw his last video. I said, you know, it was, it was good, it was good. But Eric B. had girls in bikinis,
0: you know? That's where it's at. Yeah, yeah I think that's really important in, you know, a vehement, anti-misogyny campaign. And that's, uh, that's what you want in your videos. It, it'd be post-ironic. <laughs> yeah, totally, totally. Post-ironic just means misogynistic, basically, as far as I can work out. Down with that sort of thing. If you want to get hold of us in between now and the next time we do one of these, uh, you can get Ed at UnitedRant on Twitter. You can get me at UTD Rantcast. If you're prepared to face the wrath of the internet, you can post on unitedrant.co.uk and uh, hit us up at the show page there. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash UnitedRant. Why would you do a thing like that? They should have a hate button. No, outrageous. I don't think anyone would do that, would they? Well, some people definitely would. Uh, And if you do really like the show, it would be fantastic if you could share your opinions on that subject with other people via the medium or a review on iTunes because that's probably the the single biggest thing you can do to help out the, the show other than tell your friends that you love it and get them to listen to it too. Or pay us loads of money. Or, girls, send us your knickers. Oh, no. Every week. He ruins it every week, listeners. What are we supposed to do? Even though he does ruin it every week, we'll still be back with another one next week. See you then. See you then.